Hello, my name is Brandon Kiesling, and I serve as Associate Pastor at First Baptist Church, O'Fallon, Missouri. And we want to welcome you to an event that we're putting on on March 11th, 2023, called the Church Security Essentials Conference. And we've invited the Church Safety Guys team, uh, Mike Scully and James McGarvey and others, to be able to come with their expertise to be able to uh, cover a number of topics related to church safety and security, from building a team from the ground up to equipping them to be able to serve, de-escalation tactics, and even working with local law enforcement in critical events. This will be a, a one-day conference that you will be equipped and encouraged to be able to go back to your church and operate with excellence in the days ahead. And we price this at a, a very good price point that you can bring uh, the church leadership as well as any volunteer that serves on your team and you can find all the information including scheduling and bios of the speakers as well as the pricing and registration uh, on our website which is firstofallon.com forward slash church safety. We hope that you can come and participate in this amazing event and again that it will be an encouragement to you in the days ahead. God bless. This hour of broadcasting brought to you by TwoWayRadioCenter.com, a Motorola value-added reseller. Welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys, brought to you by Vigilant Impact. The Church Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping the vigilant, those men and women who stand watch, keeping our houses of worship and places of faith safe. We believe church safety and security must be a ministry first and have engaged servant leaders who continually strive for excellence and teams of motivated volunteers that are always training. Join us for the next hour as the Church Safety Guys unpack safety, security, leadership, and ministry operations. With your hosts, Dr. James McGarvey and Mike Scully. This broadcast is also available on YouTube, your favorite podcast platforms, churchsafetyguys.com, and on the original Church Security app. Download it today. Feel free to like, subscribe, and share with your ministry. Well, hello. Welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. I am James, and once again joined by my co-host, Mike. Good evening, sir. How are you? I am good. And I just realized that uh, on this awesome Sunday evening, we are competing with a football game. Yep, that we are. <laughs> so we will actually be taking the... Uh, what is it? The 12th is the, the Super Bowl. We're going to we're going to forego the broadcast that Sunday night because. Yep. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's the tendency of certain games, but it's good that we're I mean, we're syncing this th throughout the week with all the different platforms. So, yeah, uh, whether you're watching it live on Facebook or catch it replay during YouTube or any of the podcast platforms. So it's it's all over the place and it's a good mix. I mean, sure. the. The stats kind of show that there's folks listening to it in many spots and they don't always get the the mannerisms and 
the fun that we do uh, on camera without sound, but uh, uh, it is a good good way to listen to it, whether it's in the car or otherwise, or heck, I throw it on my Amazon device and stream it back just to pick back up on uh, things our guests say and um, copy those gold nuggets down. <laughs> For sure. For sure. So if you, uh, if this is your first time joining us or, or you, uh, haven't joined us in a while, welcome. We're glad that, uh, that you're with us and you can always reach out to us through our website, which is churchsafetyguys.com. And, uh, we're happy to help your church and, uh, help you all whenever, whenever, and however we can. And, uh, as always, you can download the church security app. That's uh, free to those that, uh, that are interested, thanks to our sponsors and, um, has actually, if you download it and register it, there's some great, great resources and we're getting ready to, to update those again. So, um, that has actually, that has, uh, snippets from our devotionals and different things like that. And, uh, you can use that with your team. And as always, if you're watching at a later time on YouTube or one of the other platforms, feel free to like and share and uh, we'll we'll get rolling. So the uh, the interesting thing, I have to tell this this story real quick because I've been saving it for a couple of weeks. But on Wednesday night, uh, I go back into uh, or I go back to uh, my old church. So I'm kind of between two churches at the moment. And so Wednesday I walked in and I was, I was taking, uh, checking one of my kids in, uh, to the Iwana program and, uh, a lady comes in and actually I say a lady, but, uh, for those of you that are involved with social media, you, uh, for us, you'll know her cause her name's Emily and she helps us out. Uh, with the the Facebook groups and stuff like that. But so she comes in with her kids trying to check them in and she's like, Hey, she, she sees me and she's like, uh, there's a guy out in the parking lot that is in his car. The car's running. He's not moving. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, I, I tried tapping on the window and he wasn't responsive. And so I'm like, okay, well, and I'm, I, I don't have a radio on me, literally just walked in the church building. So I grab, there was a, a extra kids radio. So I grab the kids radio and, uh, find out that the new safety director is on, you know, on there. So I call him and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm running out. We just got this call. I'm going to check the parking lot. And, uh, he's like, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, back you up and I'm on my way. So I get out there and, and I see the car, I walk up to the car, I tap on the window and, um, it turns out one of the guys from my small group. And, uh, so he's, he dropping his, he dropped his wife and his kids off and was actually taking a nap in the car. (laughs) And he's like, I wasn't feeling really good. My stomach was really bothering me. So I figured I would kind of hide out here in the car. And I'm like, dude, I am so sorry that I I woke you up. I said, somebody came in the church and was, was really concerned. And he's like, well, I guess that's a good thing. And, and I turned around and the, the guy, cause we don't, when we respond to parking lot things now, we always go to, 
Yep. You know, we always we always try and respond to people because of stuff that's happened, uh, you know, with other churches and whatnot. And so I turn around and I'm I'm, gra- you know, I grab the radio to say, hey, we're good here. We're clear. And the the other safety director comes running up out of breath and he's like, you could have called me before I, I ran across the church. And I'm like, what happens? But yep. I'm like, we're good here. We're good. <laughs> it was just so funny. Like the way Emily came in and she's, she's yeah. matter of factly, like she was looking around and she's like, then she sees that I'm standing there and she's like, Hey, there's a guy unresponsive. And I'm like, well, what do you, you know, it's like yep. everything clicks. I'm like, what are you doing? Why didn't you call? Why didn't you call, you know, nine one one, whatever. Very interesting story. And in this it ties in. I actually just got off a of plane Friday night. I'm coming through the terminal and off in the corner, it's late at night. Most of the terminals are inactive and there's somebody sleeping over laying down semi in the corner, but not really in the corner. And I'm like, no one else was around. They didn't, I couldn't see a badge or anything like them, like their airport worker or something like that. And so there was nothing distinguishing as to their outfit to say, Oh, they're, they're, they probably just work here and maybe they're just on break. And so nobody's around. I can't even find like there's no TSA walking up and down because it's that late. There's not a, a cleaner or anybody. So I went like 15 gates before I ran into somebody that actually worked in the airport. And I'm like, you know That's what? Crazy. Back at gate 14, there's a person that apparently is slumped over laying on the ground there. Now, I, I, I was trying to wait till I found somebody or I would have gone back myself and it just further and further and further. And finally, I found somebody and they're like, no, that's a person there. They they work super early in the morning and they're just it was easier for them to come here at <laughs> night and they crash on the floor. I'm like, there's got to be a more comfortable place than, the, than, than an airport floor. <laughs> but I was like, hey, oh, I just want to make sure it's not a medical uh, issue of some sort that somebody just decided to hang out over there and crashed and literally so it was uh that's crazy yeah (laughs) yeah next uh actually and i i will let everybody know next week uh when we do the episode it's actually just going to be mike and uh we'll have jared teslov uh with him so you guys will be you'll be running the running the show and we're gonna start doing a, a segment um probably about once a month, I think is what we, what we talked, but, uh, it's called, and we've done it before called real stories of, of church safety. And, uh, Jared's got some, some awesome things lined up, but next week I'll actually, I'm going to be down in Garland, Texas, uh, with the idea day team and, and network. And, um, so it gives me a chance, but we're, we're actually flying out. Um, my pastor and I are flying out Sunday night, to go to that. And, uh, I'm looking, looking forward to a couple of days in Southern Southwestern, Southeastern Texas. Not quite. You'll be in Northeastern. Uh, okay. Well, North the, you Central know, Texas. my, my geography is off. All I know is it's warmer. Yep. And as I was kind getting of. into my car today to drive to church, I slipped on the snow in front of my SUV and went down hard (laughs) and my family was concerned enough that, you know, my wife and one of my kids like jumped out of the car and they're like, dad, are you alive? Are you okay? (laughs) Well, if the safety guy is injured, who's going to (laughs) respond? I don't know, but I got up and I wasn't, 
I was like trying to like dust all the snow off me and not oh. be late for church. And I'm like, okay. Oh, it was in the it was in the low fifties down here in Texas today. But even though you'll be in the same state, you're still about four hours away. So uh it's uh <laughs> it's a big state. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Well we'll we'll uh we'll move on. But yep. uh so our our topic uh, on our topic for this broadcast is uh, women and church safety, and uh, I came across uh, a gal not too long ago, and uh, noticed her blog, and and she reached out to us, and and I wanted to to have her come on the broadcast. Um, so I will bring uh, Lori Crinney on here. So Lori, again, thank you for for joining us today. It's great to have you on. Thank you Welcome. so much. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So you, I'm going to kind of, it, your, your list of accomplishments is quite impressive. You have a, I have a website and you are attorney by day and church safety director at your church all the rest of the time. <laughs> Something like that. Um, okay. Yeah. That's close. Second amendment attorney during the day. Um, I do tactical training in my free time and church security, you know, while at church awesome. and also in the background, like drafting policies and stuff like that. Awesome. Right. Well, and you have actually, you have a, a blog with, is it deliverance defense? It is. Okay. So if you, and I'll, I'll actually, I'll put the website up. So if you're watching at a later time, you're welcome to, uh, actually, to go to her site, she's got some great information, resources, articles uh, that she's written, etc. But um, for starters, if you if you can um, go ahead and actually, uh, you wanted to share your testimony and and how you got into all of that. So I'll I'll give you that opportunity. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, I love you know an opportunity to share testimony um, is always a good thing. So. I had started my journey with firearm training. That's where it began. And um, I would train my heart out, like leave the law office to go to the range multiple days a week. I took owning a firearm extremely seriously um, and wanted to learn everything I could about it and be as proficient as I could, understand malfunctions and just became a Glock armorer, like you name it, I, I went all in. Um, and then I would go to church on the weekend and, you know, being hands up, worshiping the Lord. And I'm like, I got to a point where I literally scratched my head and I'm like, does this jive? You know, does tactical training and, and firearms jive with kind of turning the other cheek? Um, and it was a little struggle that I that I ran into. And I said to, uh, you know, my instructor at the range, like I need a moment to kind of figure this out. And I ended up turning to the word of God because I said, well, if I ask, you know, someone, but they're wrong, I don't want to be um, up the crowd, up the, you know, creek without a paddle. So <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I ended up looking to the word of God to try to find out directly from the Lord what he thinks about this. Um, and I wrote down all the verses that I thought applied. Um, and I felt like I'm good to go. I believe, you know, military are good to go. Police are good to go. You know, that good needs to protect good people from evil. Um, and so I had, you know, the green light um, to, to continue my training. 
no exaggeration, that Sunday, I'm sitting in church by myself and a man that I'd never seen before gets up and and puts on the projector verses of how we have this duty to protect others. Hmm. Um, and the verses that I had wrote down that week wow. saying he needed volunteers for church security. Hmm. And I literally couldn't believe it um, because I don't, you know, I'm a petite female. Um, I wouldn't think of myself as security. I think of kind of more of like a bouncer, a male bouncer, to be honest with you. Sure. Um, but I felt like the Lord had chosen me. And so I, I spoke to the director at that time and I said, I think you're talking to me. And he's like, I am talking to you. And, and I joined the team um, shortly thereafter, was promoted to captain. And then when um, when the director stepped down, he asked me to take over. And and I had Esther 414 in my mind, you know, that you were created for such mm -hmm. a time as this. Um, and the rest is history. Oh, awesome. Great. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty inspiring. I think and it's interesting how, um, and Mike and I have, have talked to, I mean, we talk to churches all the time, but it's interesting to me how, um, how easily that's overlooked the, the idea that we have an obligation and responsibility to protect those around us. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the things I, a lot of times I like to refer to is the, the story of the good Samaritan that mm -hmm. Jesus told where it, you know, he, he goes through and of course, you know, knowing the, the climate of the time, the man that, you know, that stopped to help the, the guy that was beat up. I mean, that was a cultural no, no, like he wasn't supposed to do that, but he did that because he knew that he needed to help that person. And so I think about that a lot of times and I think, you know, sometimes as a church, we can, um, we get caught up so, so much in looking at how to do things that we forget why we should do them and how to be more effective in the community. So, um, I definitely, I appreciate you, <clears throat> excuse me. I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. And, uh, Mike, were you going to say something? Well, I think it's interesting from a from a standpoint that of that time with the Good Samaritan, it was the division of culture. And yeah. if we look in our world today, uh, in our lifetime, there hasn't been a point where it's been uh, any more divided than it is now. It seems like it's progressively getting worse over time. And so we sometimes can get caught up in the wrong things. And it's even easy on a Sunday morning, whether it's a distraction or whether it's uh, a deeper level uh pulling us apart towards the wrong things. We were talking off air before the uh, show here, really the idea of the struggles, sometimes different denominations go against each other when they have a common goal and yet they're arguing yeah. about uh, sometimes the wrong things that don't matter as much or even churches. And I've, I've talked with folks that are like, they're being asked to enforce things like dress code and other things in church. And I'm like, come as you are. It's like, God didn't mm -hmm. say you have to wear your, your Sunday best. And that's just that's inflicted at that local church level. I said, so there's certain things that as leaders we push back on to leadership in that sense to kind of say, hey, there's these are not things we should be enforcing. That's not the duty and role of a safety and security team. And so it, there's those things that are popping in and out. And so this the idea of the Samaritan kind of it, it struck me in a different way. I think in the in the 
the conflicts of culture, the conflicts mm -hmm. of the individual church, and even the conflicts we have as leaders, sometimes trying to have to push back on things that just aren't right for our ministry. For sure. I think, and, and I think COVID is, has brought that out as well. And, and has, I think that kind of ties in a little bit with, with some of the mental health stuff that we've talked about before, where, you know, even my church has in the past has joked around about saying like, Hey, for the mask mandate, <laughs> you know, you guys, you're the safety team. You can police this. And I'm like, yep. nope. no, we're not going to do that. One, two, three, not it. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. I want to, I want to go back. Cause I'm curious, Lori, you, you said you jumped in with all of the firearm training and I'm curious if there, if it was just of interest to you, like a hobby or if something like an event happened that kind of motivated you to, uh, to learn more and to, to protect yourself with firearms and, and kind of pick up that. Okay. So when I was in law school, uh, my boyfriend was a police officer and all of his okay. friends were military um, and police. And I felt very safe. Um, however, I, what I realized that even if I, even if I was with a police officer, there were still so many times that I was alone, whether it be going to school, the grocery store um, with my girlfriends, whatever it may be, I could not depend on someone else to be with me 24 seven to keep me safe. And when I moved home from law school, I decided to take it upon myself um, to be able to protect myself. And that's kind of how I got into it, um, not realizing that it was, I think it was never really about me in the sense where it started with um, the desire to protect myself, but mm -hmm. it turned into God using those skills to protect others. Sure. Um, and, and his kingdom. So. That, that's how we that can't happened. we can't relate to that last piece at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> i don't know how to follow that thanks mike <laughs> well i mean hey when you think about it at the end of the day it's i was the first uh, person in my entire family history to carry a firearm other than perhaps during wartime and so other than veterans in the family, no one did, uh, no officers in my family, et cetera. And so it, it was a big change for that sure. same sort of thing. The idea mm -hmm. of taking that own personal responsibility of saying, you know what? Okay. Yes. There's things where, okay, I can uh, handle myself somewhat in a situation. However, I'm like, a firearm is that equalizer in the more and more, I found that, hey, there's there's that need. So it was more that interest to get started. And it was definitely that that mental quandary in, in the beginning of of the idea of carrying a firearm and being the first in the family. And now more in my family do. So I kind of mm -hmm. uh, paved that uh, uh, that road, if you will, and others kind of op it opened the door for them. So it is kind of a, uh, a mental journey. We all, uh, anybody sure. in that position goes on, but the idea to take it that step further, I think there's a lot that takes self-protection seriously, but I think of those folks that take self-protection, not everybody takes it, I think, to the level that you have, Lori, in the sense that you're, you're looking at a, at being a protector in two senses of the word is that you're protecting not only from a rights perspective, but also, uh, at a church level. And it's interesting. I'll, I'll tell a quick story because that's similar to why I started carrying myself. 
I was a lifetime NRA donor before I ever shot a gun uh, because it was really about the right to carry first. And it actually came about because I believed that our right to worship freely was protected by our right to carry freely. And so that that drove that motivation early on and never anticipated going into church security, never anticipated um, uh, helping others uh, purchase firearms and, and identify what they what they could do and kind of uh, advocating for it, if you will. Uh, but it just became something that kind of grew. And so that, 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 that's still there today, that I believe that my job as a protector in the church is not merely to make people feel safe, but the idea that I'm protecting the entire concept of the ability to have church because it, uh, we're gatekeepers. We're, we're trying to keep those forces, those influences, those decisions from outside that could try to break that safe space, break that environment, try to disrupt a church service, try to prevent a church from even opening for that matter. For sure. I think, and I'm not sure if I've shared this story before, but <clears throat> very similar, um, very similar to you, Mike, I've, you know, I grew up around firearms hunting in New England and the, the truth is, I mean, I never, I never really thought about it. Like, you know, my grandfather was into firearms. He was a police officer and he collected, you know, collected guns. And um, my dad had them when my grandfather passed away. So it wasn't like I wasn't scared. I, I mean, growing up, my dad always worked second and third shift as an engineer or machinist. And so now like he would go and my brother and I would be at home with our mom. And I remember like my dad always saying, Hey, if you, you know, while I'm gone at work, you know, you guys are the men of the house, you get to take care of your mom. If, if something ever happens and I, I kind of chuckle about it now, but I mean that instilled, you know, confidence in me growing up, but also, you know, trust. And my dad's like, Hey, I always have a loaded 38 here above my, <laughs> above my, you know, nightstand if something happens. And so I just kind of grew up used to it, but, um, I would say I, uh, probably about 12 or 13 years ago, I worked, um, third shift myself. And, uh, so I would get home early in the morning, you know, when, when my work was done, my job was done. And I, uh, had, I had actually heard there was a, a gentleman, I didn't know them and then him in the next town over that was coming home as well from third shift. And he walked into his house being burglarized. And so the, the, uh, the guy that, or the guys that broke into his house actually shot him and left him. Um, at, so he walked in on the burglary and process, and this was like the next, next town over. And so when that was in the news, that kind of prompted me to say, look, that could have been me. Like they could have been trying to break into my house and, you know, I could be walking into that, you know, so how am I going to protect myself? What do I do? How do I protect my family? How, you know, how are, um, how are they going to do that? And I, I think for me too, I mean, there, it was a journey, like, is this really, and I, and we get that, or I get that question a lot too, is, is it really a biblical thing for self-defense and to protect yourself? Because, um, people want to make sure they're doing the right thing. But at the same time, it's like, you know what, God has given me the responsibility of taking care of my family and entrusted them to me and blessed me with 
with kids and that's my responsibility. And so I, you know, take that serious and I, I want to be the most proficient. Am I the, am I the best? No, absolutely not. But you know, that's part of too, that's part of where we get the always training, you know, with our, with our logo from, because, you know, we want to encourage people to keep going and to better themselves and to learn more and, um, to be ahead of that, you know, ahead of that curve and, um, you know, be effective, effective protectors and effectively, you know, take advantage of, of their God given rights. So. Yep. For sure. Laurie, Laurie, tell us more about kind of the attorney side. Um, what kind of uh, got you wanting to go that route? How did you choose that line of practice? Um, what, what do you see the most, uh, that you're kind of working with today around second amendment? Okay. So I joined the firm. Um, it's a family practice. I practice with my father. It's mom and pop shop. I, sure. I'm an attorney <laughs> with my dad. Um, and my mother is my receptionist slash paralegal. Um, and when I first started here, you know, I worked here since I was a child. You know, my first deposition, I sat in when I was eight years old. Um, so oh, I've wow. been here <laughs> Yeah. But I was doing everything my dad did. And he has almost 50 years of experience. Um, and I would just kind of learn as much as I could from him and do everything he did. But what is so good about God is kind of the convergence. Like I had these different, these separate areas of my life where it was, I would practice law during the day, go to the range at nights and weekends and go to church on the weekends, go to Bible study, life groups, you know, everything was like church, office and law, but they were all separate. And then when um, church and training merged, that was awesome, but law was still separate. And then I realized, wait a minute, we need policy and procedure. Wait a minute. What does our church insurance say? And like, I couldn't take off. What a, what's the law on use of force? You know, like it was, I couldn't take off my lawyer hat looking at all of these church and training related issues. Um, and that's when the law converged. And now I'm in this niche that's like, you know, custom to me. Um, and I get to kind of, you know, I feel like there's an uh, enemy agenda of disarming the people and I try to arm the people um, and I'm blessed to be able to to do that every day in my office and to work on things I'm passionate about. And I just have so God has blessed me with so many tools in my shed because this is something I'm I'm living. I'm not reading about it um, only. You know, so I, I, I've gone through the mental journey. I, I know the instructors that they can take classes with and the challenges of holster selection or, or you know, how knowing the law on use of force and how that's important. Um, force on force training, how beneficial that is. Like all of this is um, how to get your security guard license, your pistol license. Like I have all these tools that I can use to not only help the church, but to help civilians and ordinary people. And so I've been blessed to, my passion pulled me to do those things when I wasn't working. Um, and the fact that I get to do that now at work is a blessing. Uh, the idea of convergence is pretty amazing. I, I feel like we strive for that sometimes and it doesn't always work out well. <laughs> um, certainly, I mean, when, sure. when 
I mean, we, we have day jobs ourselves that are not necessarily related to this space at all. Uh, but yet we do this because again, it, the same sort of thing. We're passionate about it. We're called to this. We feel like God's using us in ways that we never saw possible. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing things we never thought. I mean, we, we, we would have bet against some of the stuff that we do now. Um, like <laughs> that's the degree of what God's shown us different, uh, paths forward, whether, whether it's actually being on air like this or, uh, writing books and, and going and speaking in front of large crowds at conferences. It's like <laughs> all these things I'm like, uh, but God, that that's not me. And he's like, but, but son, yes, it is. And, and, and there's a the real difference in that, uh, that growth and that journey over time. So, uh, praise God that you've been able to find that convergence and find that mix across the board so that you can kind of, uh, play while you work and work while you play, I guess, in, in that sense. Uh, so that's great. Um, I'm going to segue next, unless you wanted to comment on that, James. Uh, no, it's going to move good. over to the okay. Move yeah. over to the church <laughs> side uh, of things as well. So talk to us uh, more. I know certainly James and I have have led teams and uh, been in that for a while. I'd love to hear your your perspective, vantage point as a woman run team. And I know you talked a little bit off air about your your team comp, uh, make, makeup essentially and how you're working with the different folks. So happy to chat a bit about that. Sure. So um, I became the leader, the director of safety and security at my church. And I'm the leader of a team of right now it's all men. Um, We did, we have had women throughout, you know, I've been, Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for seven years. Um, We've had women come and go throughout that time. Um, But right now it's all men. And I, I would, I'm interested to see if my experience is kind of similar to you guys, if it's any different being a woman. Um, I don't, the style of leadership that I have come up with um, was first, I tried to emulate Moses uh, with empowering other leaders. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of shifted to servant leadership. It's a combination of both where it's, there are other leaders. So to be candid with you, if you came to my church, you probably would not know that I am the director of safety and security because you would see other leaders on Sunday, you know, or at special events. Um, and you would think that they might be the, you would think that they would probably be the leader. So I have empowered others to be the leaders, um, delegated to them. And then Jesus, you know, servanthood leadership, I, I pretty much just serve our leaders. Um, and I serve the team. And that was a transition from me being on the team. I was a security guard on the team for several years. Um, And first I was unarmed. So that was interesting being a petite female, you know, with only my (laughs) bare hands. Um, That was definitely a unique journey for me. Hmm. Um, But yeah, I think the the empowering and emulating Moses certainly, I, I think, really matters. And funny enough, we actually have a book on servant leadership, specifically the idea that is uh, serving in that capacity is what we're doing. We are servants. We're serving the mission and vision of the church. We're there to put others first. We're there to, yes, keep people safe and lead that team. But a lot of it is putting other things before our needs. That's neat. And then I also kind of have been um, one of my teammates called me the mother of the ministry. And I was like, I don't know how I I don't know how I feel about that. Um, But I actually read that Deborah um, 
let me see. I'll read you exactly what I saw about Deborah. As a mother cares for her children, so Deborah led and nurtured Israel. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of, it's a combination. Sure. Of um, Moses, Jesus, and Deborah. Um, and, and basically, <laughs> I just serve, I just serve and care for the team and equip them with whatever they need to get the job done, whether it's plans, equipment, training, you know, administrative stuff, um, scheduling. Um, I literally just serve them. And I believe that if I take care of the team, that they'll take care of the church. 100%. Is it similar to you guys? Is that? Yeah, happening? absolutely. I, well, I was just going to say, say, wow. Similar. <laughs> However, I could say that we've we've never been accused of being a mother. I could tell you that much. Yeah, well, <laughs> that is that is very true. I will say um, that, you know, servant leadership has always has always been a, uh, of interest to me. Um, and that's kind of one of the things, actually one, one of the things I've, I've researched and put in my, um, I don't know, my interest with education. Um, because I feel like I've always felt like, and I, and, and I've been very dynamic in my career with leadership and different things like that, but I've always felt like, uh, you know, Jesus was a great example of saying, okay, you know, kind, firm, but also direct to accomplish stuff. And, you know, w when, um, you know, the last, one of the last things that, uh, that Jesus said to us was to go and make disciples. And so pouring into other people's lives, to me, that's, that's critical. And, you know, Mike and I have talked about that and, and written books on it and that sort of thing. Um, but the truth is it's, it's hard how you described it, I think is probably one of the best ways I've ever heard it described because it's hard to explain that to people sometimes where it's like, it's not, you know, again, it's not about, it's, it's about having that ministry first aspect and, you know, you're, you're supporting the individuals so that they can, they can flourish and they can do the best that they can. And as you support the individuals, you're pouring into them and encouraging them and strengthening them. And so um, oftentimes I think that I, I think that we we kind of miss that. And um, what I found when I was the, the director at my old church, what I found was that much of my time, probably I would say if I could break it into thirds, probably a third of my time was focused on the folks that were volunteering. And I'd like to say that it was the same way. Like if you walked into the church, you would know that we had people there because of an earpiece or, you know, and stationed at different places, but you wouldn't necessarily know that I was the one in charge. And so, um, realistically, I think a third of that probably also, um, gets divided up into being like the liaison between the pastors and <laughs> the church leadership and the ministry. And then the final, um, the final, you know, portion I would say is actually handling situations. So from a, from a leadership role, really, uh, little of what you're doing is handling the actual incident as much as it is, you know, connecting with others, connecting with the leadership and kind of creating a, um, 
ambiance of safety and security. Like people might not know that you're the director or that you have people, but a lot of times, like I know at my church, um, even today I went into the, the earlier service and as soon as I walked in, I could see that people had relaxed. Like they were like, Hey, he's here. And I haven't, I haven't been there in a couple of months because I've been focused on our new church. And so that perception and, and, uh, culture in, you know, in the organization of safety and security is, is, and investing in that is important. And I think a lot of times people, people kind of miss it, but I'll throw it, throw it over to Mike. Cause I know you wanted to say some stuff. Yeah. Well, I think, and, and it's well said, Laurie, I think in, I've, I've looked at it as a journey, both for myself to kind of evolve how I served, but also through the many stories and folks that I've talked to in churches all over the country, really, I've seen leaders that kind of, they're all command and control, they're chain of command oriented. They've come out of the police or military field and, and very procedural and some kind of stay there. They don't rise beyond that. That's where they're stuck in, in kind of a mode of, of operation. I've seen some that are very much the, the manager that they've had that in their background. They, they are there trying to make it easier for their team. So in ways doing some of what you talked about by removing obstacles, but some are, some of those are not necessarily familiar with response protocols and chain of command structures and incident response. So they kind of stay in that manager lane. Mm -hmm. And finally, you got, you got the third and why we're such big proponents of finding folks that are actively engaged in ministry because you can teach somebody to manage. You can teach somebody to understand chain of command structures and incident response. You can teach response tactics. It's harder to build that character and that culture into that person. So we really, and where I really see myself uh, in this ministry today is engaging and discipling my team is that it's, yes, I have to check those boxes of, are we ready for this service? Are, do we have the right schedule? Do we have the right equipment? But it's really about encouraging and empowering others so that they can go out and feel confident in what they're there to do, which is not just to stand post. I know you, you talked about the idea of the perception that church security was was the bouncer type. And that's that's a perception we try to fight against is the idea of, mm. excuse me, you're not there standing post. You're there actually creating a uh, experience and environment that's safe for people to feel comfortable enough to worship freely. Amen. For sure. That's a, it's an interesting, the, the passage that you read is, is pretty interesting. I'll have to go back and, and read that. It almost seems like there's a book in there somewhere, Mike. I was waiting, I was waiting for you to, to say that. <laughs> there probably is, but I haven't even talked to you yet today. So I'll have to uh, share the, I already have an idea to share with you about it. The oh next my book. goodness. All but, right. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to skip that. You brought it up. So. What, uh, Lori, what, what do you think some of, um, some of the, I don't know, unique things besides, besides being the only, um, the only woman on a, an all guy team, what do you think some of the unique things you've seen, uh, have been as you've taken over that, that ministry? Um, I think something unique about the ministry um, the fact that we're first responders for all emergencies is unique. 
Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's like usually an EMT would be called in for a medical emergency and fire department, you know, we would think for a fire and SWAT maybe to take out a threat, uh, active shooter. It's like sometimes people have a niche um, that they do, whereas security is actually the first person called in every emergency, whether it's someone choking or a fire, the fire alarm goes off or shortness of breath. A lot of uh, emergencies are medical as opposed sure. to um, So that's been unique to, you know, even we have pastoral protection. So it's like executive protection, situational awareness, use of force. Like these are all um, CPR, AED, first aid, stop the bleed. Like these are actually life skills Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's really neat to, it's unique about this ministry to equip all of these good people, good hearted people um, with these life-saving skills that not only benefit the church, but also their family and society. You know, if they're sitting in a sure. restaurant and they know CPR, um, that's a benefit to everyone in that restaurant. So it's neat. I like, I love that about the ministry. And I find that unique about this ministry that it's not only serving the church, but equipping each individual with life-saving skills for the, for themselves, self-preservation, and also to protect their loved ones. That's, that's a great point. Not every church actually does that as well. Like it is, some churches do have a, a setup where it's very broken up, like you mentioned. And I think, um, I think our church actually, we, when we first started that, that's how we ran. Like we had security that just responded and then a medical team. And, um, what I found was, and, and of course every church is different and not every church is going to agree with me on this. I know, but what we, what I found at my church was that that was creating a really big divide between the teams and, you know, the security folks kind of felt like, Oh, well, we're, you know, we're really the response team and the medical guys were like, well, most of our stuff was medical. So why are, you know, why are these guys getting credit? And so I think the, the first thing I did when I stepped in was, uh, got rid of both teams and made one team and then just started training everyone with that, like you said, like we pull them in and now not every, every single person on our team, uh, carries a firearm. If they want to, they're welcome to with the training. And, you know, we put them through a training class and, and help them with that. Uh, but at the same time, uh, most of what we respond to was medical as well. So we were trying to create more of a, a diverse team and, really help folks because oftentimes people would say, well, I'm not going to respond to the medical thing because I don't have any medical training. And I'm like, okay, well, guess what? <laughs> guess what we're doing next month? Medical training. So, you know, because this is just good stuff, good information to know. So. Absolutely. I mean, you need the exposure and I think the idea of a, a blended team, I think absolutely makes sense. Um, one, because I, I've seen in churches uh, that I've talked to, uh, there seems to be this tendency 
um, because of the calling of people's jobs and careers, that it's it's the guys that drift to the security side and it's yeah. the women that drift <laughs> over to the medical team, whether that's because they're nurses or other. Uh, it just seems to shape up that way. And so you have potentially two functioning teams. Yes. But I've also found that it does work better when it's integrated. The idea that and, and this goes back to serving and, and equipping the others, Laurie, is I feel like if you surround yourself on your team with experts in different areas, you could bring in somebody that guess what? When we run the stop to bleed, that person runs that class. And the mm -hmm. idea that I try to do is I want my team to be equipped enough to teach it, not just do it. And so the idea that we create that rotation, allow them an opportunity to actually have the floor. And it's a good way to identify who might be that next leader, who might be a service lead, who might be that future lieutenant, if you will, for purposes of the team that that might even be the, the, the person you ask to take the torch if, if you move on or take a different role. So uh, those are all skills that I think are important to equip. But you're right. The uniqueness of the response type skill set, um, even of just the idea of the uh, turning your brain on, hey, something bad's happening. I'm moving towards that bad thing, regardless of whether it's inert and uh, something as a medical incident that doesn't directly affect you or something more severe. Um, thankfully, we've not been pressed into that sort of situation, but we know folks in this ministry that have and have had to be uh, on scene like a first responder. So I, I tend to call us immediate responders because we're, we're immediately there. We're right there when it's happening versus calling in those first responders. And so we work a lot with the, the, the team members to not only be ready to respond, but then also to know how to work with those first responders when mm -hmm. they, they show up on scene. And we've talked about that on air a few times. I agree. And I think also repetition. Um, if you're going to have people who are not medical, you know, um, if you want them to know how to do CPR, you know, I would suggest not waiting until the certification runs out to host another class. Like we, we just have them frequently um, because I think if you learn something once, you know, maybe that works for some people. That's not necessarily best for me. Repetition yep. is better. Um, so, so we don't even wait for our certifications to run out. Um, we just keep kind of, um, repetition, repeating the trainings too, to yep. keep, make sure it's fresh. And also that helps when we have new recruits to catch them up to speed. Absolutely. For sure. Um, well, we are, we're just about out of time. Um, I did want to, to add or ask the, the last question though, Lori, what, um, for we're seeing and I, I mentioned this earlier off air, but Mike and I are seeing an increase in women serving in this in this area. And, uh, you know, we've seen an interest in on social media and uh, from our from our resource perspective. I, I think last year uh, we had I want to say probably a five or six percent increase of interest overall in in the the topic of folks reaching out to us and saying or women specifically reaching out to us and saying hey i'm part of this ministry you know i just found your stuff online and that sort of thing um for for a uh more i guess a more male dominated ministry like mike said earlier what would be um some 
I don't know, some encouragement that you would be happy to, to share with somebody that maybe is going through that and trying to navigate, you know, being the only woman or on a team or maybe in women, a woman in leadership on that team. If I can, if I can speak, if that makes sense. It does. I think, um, just trusting God within you. Um, it takes courage to be on this team. And so I think, you know, decreasing fear and increasing faith would be a word of encouragement. And also the team needs your gifts. So for example, you know, I didn't know my lawyer gifts would help the team, but even drafting policy and procedure and reading insurance protects the teammates, you know, protects the people who are protecting the church. Um, we've had women social workers, women EMT, women doctors, women police officers um, show interest or serve in the ministry. I think just reach out to the leader of the team, you know, and see if they can use your gifts. Um, if you have a heart to serve, there may be a place for you on the team. I think just don't be fearful and, um, and have faith. Awesome. Right. Thank you. And we, I mean, you know, we've had, we've had couples serve on our team. Uh, we've had women serve on our team and I, I'm just reading through some of the comments of folks watching, you know, that's, I think we're, I think we're definitely going to see more and more, but you know, there are times when, um, I think I can think of several situations where women have been far more gracious than I was feeling at that moment on my team, you know, to step in and pray with someone or to say, Hey, you know what, let's, let's handle this this way. Or, you know, if you have a medical emergency, oftentimes, you know, if it's a medical emergency and it's, it's a woman that's suffering that sometimes it can be a little bit awkward you know, for guys to respond and have all these folks respond. And sometimes that can exacerbate, you know, the situation and what's going on and, and that sort of thing. So I, I'm, I've always been a very firm believer that with safety and security, there's always some area or some niche where people can serve in. And sometimes you have to create those, those little areas, um, to, to plug, you know, plug that person in if they're, uh, if you can. Um, but I think ultimately, I think there's a, there's a place for every, everyone to serve, um, that's gifted in that way. So, uh, I will actually, I'll throw it over to Mike. You can, you can wrap it up and yeah, we'll I, go from I think there. it's, it's great to, great to hear uh, from your perspective, Lori. And, the convergence and some really good points that you had there tonight. Uh, really appreciate that you're able to serve in your calling, uh, both inside and outside the office, if you will. But I really look at it as, uh, and, and stress to folks that have listened tonight, is reach out. If you don't have a female on your team as it stands today, uh, figure out why. Is it because the culture of your team is creating a barbed wire fence? And maybe you're not personally as a leader saying that you don't want that. And maybe you're not refusing it if it's offered. But is that culture creating offense? So you got to look at what that looks like. And and I, I would treat it in your own team like we often talk about firearms or knives. Um, two is one and one is none. So get cracking. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that 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 message was sponsored by Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody has any hate mail, you can send it now. It is what it is. But you know what? It's interesting because we've seen and, and I, I will say this. We've seen the for lack of a better word, the evolution of church safety and security. I mean, even in the last few years, we've seen churches you know, and a different generation come up to embrace it and say, you know, it's no longer a, a good idea. This is a, a necessity. You know, this is a okay. good ministry that we have to have. And so I think it's interesting and it's encouraging to see other, you know, other people step in and realize that it's not just about, you know, being a bouncer. It's about all these other aspects and, you know, bringing this all together to serve the body of Christ and serve one another on and off campus. So, uh, definitely, definitely good stuff. But anyhow, um, I did post, post your link and I'll bring it back up here. Um, so I would encourage everybody to check out Lori's website, uh, deliverancedefense.com. She's got some great articles on there and uh, definitely um, some interesting topics for for women as well. And then um, if you're in New York, I know actually a lot of a lot of our folks are that listen, um, you can uh, actually pull up her uh, family's website, uh, which is corinnylaw.com. And there's a, a there's a ton of resources on there as well. So um, if I, I would almost say that she would be a great resource. Well, I am going to say she would be a great resource if you're a church in New York and you, you want to touch base on some of that. So definitely reach out to her and her family. So Certainly no New York adds its own layer of struggles to uh, <laughs> armed defense and everything else. I, a former, former neighbor in Massachusetts. So <laughs> I, I, I get how bad it can be up there in the Northeast. <laughs> yes. I'm shining my light. There you go. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just happy being a native of New Hampshire. So <laughs> I'm, I'm like the, the first state that, that doesn't have the regulations that your two do. So <laughs> free or die, right? Yeah, there you go. But, um, but yeah. So anyhow, thanks so much, Lori. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely talk again. We appreciate your time and, and joining us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So wrapping up real quick, again, just want to encourage, encourage folks, check out uh, our website at churchsafetyguys.com. And uh, there's some great resources on there, as well as uh, if you go to churchsafetyconference.com, um, you can get information about our 2023 conference, which I think is 48 days away. Um, so we've got some, some great folks, uh, coming across the country for that. Uh, John Riley will be joining us, uh, again, uh, from Michigan. He is going to be talking about de-escalation. Uh, Dwayne Harris is going to be joining us from Florida. So it'll be a great, uh, a great day and you don't want to miss it and tickets are selling out. So, um, obviously Mike and I will be there, Lord willing, and, um, looking forward to it. So, yeah. Until next time, we'll we'll talk to you. Well, I won't talk to you next week. Mike will talk to you next week. But take care. Have a great week. God bless. God bless. This hour of broadcasting brought to you by... 
twowayradiocenter.com, the Motorola value-added reseller. Thank you for joining the Church Safety Guys broadcast, brought to you by Vigilant Impact. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback and interaction. Be sure to share our broadcast with your teams. Join the discussion online and connect with us on social media for other great ministry resources. Download the Church Security app or at our website at churchsafetyguys.com. Remember, keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and semper disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.